Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. What a legend is Cherie and Jamie. What a team of people we have here today. What a team of elders, what a church we have. We're so, so blessed. I say it a lot because it's true. And the truth changes things. And it's what heaven says about us. And I know it's the utmost important that we are looking at what heaven is doing and not what earth is doing. Because heaven's perspective should be our perspective. And that's what we're called to operate out of. So, good morning. It's, uh, it's um, really good to be back. It's been a long time since we've been live, um, from Clarence Road at least. We've got the plants back, we've got the lights back, we've got the building back, and it's nice to, nice to be back with you guys. Whether you're joining us live or whether you're joining us later on in the, in the, in the recording, it's so, it's so good to have you with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and... Um, I'm looking forward to what God is, God is going to do for us this morning and do for you. And it's our greatest prayer that in this time of, um, there's so many names for what we're in at the moment, what do we want to call it? This pandemic, okay, let's use that. In this time of pandemic, that the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon your houses like never before. You know, that his presence wouldn't just be limited to a church building, but that his presence would be exploding into the houses and the lives and the living rooms of your houses, your homes, the streets, wherever you may go, that his presence just is, is exploding through this earth. It's really, really important. Before, before I actually get going, I've got a really random word that I feel like God just wants to release, and I just want to just release that over whoever this may be that um, needs to receive this right now. And it's random for me. I, and I tend to recognize or think that God is speaking to me when it's not usually my own thoughts, so I, I recognize oh, I don't usually think like that. And I get the word innovation, and I just feel like God is rising up and calling people to be innovators, especially within this church. And whether it's spiritually, I feel like people are called to be innovators spiritually, to bring something new spiritually to the church. And, and I believe that is what we're all called to have, to bring things new things. God is about doing new things. He wants to do new things. He wants to create new pathways, new things to the earth. And if that is you receive it, but equally I want to just pour out a word of just innovation into your hearts, into businesses, into homes, into ideas, into whatever it may be. Because I just feel like there's, just, there's just something on my heart and I'm just recognizing something in it. I just want to pour out over you as a body and anybody listening just to receive the gift of innovation that comes from heaven. I think about the, the master craftsman who innovated all of the earth, who innovated all of heaven. And I just want to release that over you. So just receive it in Jesus' name. As we move on, so Holy Spirit, just pour it out, we pray. And may we hear great stories of testimony of how these people tuning in have changed the world around us by the ideas that you pour into them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Another notice before I actually get going is, 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 is one of sadness that makes, makes my heart sad personally as well. Um, this last Tuesday, Kathy Martin sadly passed away. Kathy was, um, she was part of the church four or five years, I think. She lived in Fleet about 30 years. And she sadly passed away Tuesday morning. Um, and I got the privilege, privilege of journeying with Kathy the last few weeks of her life. And um, of course, what is our loss is heaven's gain. And she's truly home. She was, she was such a worshiper. She loved Jesus. She loved to worship. She loved to just sing his praises. And that was what history was in the churches in Aldershot. And she loved to sing his praises. And we know that's what she's doing right now, surrounded by a great cloud of, of other worshippers just worshipping in the arms of the, the best place to, to be, which is the arms of the Father. 
but is our, is our loss and we, we recognise the world won't be the same without her but we're so glad for heaven's gain. So that's so just um, we'll, we'll give updates as soon as we know about the funeral and what that looks like. And just continue to pray for her family, for her sons, for the grandchildren. In fact, let's, let's pray now for them, shall we? So Father, we, we thank you for Kathy's legacy on the earth. We thank you for every seed planted, every life transformed, every atmosphere changed, every salvation brought. We thank you, Father, for her effect on this life, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you are, you are so pleased that she's home, that she's back where she belongs, Lord. And we just ask that you would just pour out comfort over her children and her grandchildren from this time of, of mourning, Lord, that they would mourn properly and, and healthily. And we would as well as a body as we, as we release one of our family members into the arms of heaven. And would you just pour out your spirit afresh, Father, into, into their hearts and minds, Lord, in, in how the funeral is done in every way and everything. Would you just pour out your comfort, your blessing? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're, um, what are we, September now? Can you believe it? Absolutely crazy. So September, we've got a bit of a, a, a bit of a different kind of setup for September, similar to August. We're just going with what we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to, to bring. And then come October, as you would have seen on the slides, we're going through the Emotionally Healthy Church. And the Emotionally Healthy Church is, is a book that's basically about discipleship. In a nutshell, it's all about discipleship. And you will know that if you've been journeying with us through lockdown or from Christmas, really, We've been just drilling in the books of the New Testament and they're all based around this thing called discipleship. They're all based around this thing called the, the posture of the heart, the posture of the inner man. And it's basically throwing off the old self and creating new ways of thinking and living and believing. But it all comes back to the state of your heart, the state of your inner person, your inner man. And, that, and that's what we call discipleship. So this book that we're going to be going through, we want to carry on this process of discipleship, not just for this series, because the series is going to take us up into Advent, but for our whole lives, of course, we're continually being transformed. We're continually on that process of being transformed and discipled by the Holy Spirit and by other people. And it's vitally important that you in your lives have people you are discipling and you're being discipled by because that's the model that Jesus created. And we often know, right, you ask for a tree, God will give you an acorn. You ask for a baby, he'll, I won't go into that process, but he loves the process and that's what discipleship is all about. So we're excited to start this one in October but for now I want to just share what I feel the Holy Spirit has put on my heart this morning and it, it carries on for me one of the most important postures of your heart that you could possibly carry and it's one of the most important postures and characteristics of the heart of Jesus that we could carry and because we're focusing so much on this heart and this posture we, we recognize the gold will come we recognize there'll be more fruit coming why and we we, we I ask the question why is because we know this is where it all matters. Why do I say that? Because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that heaven is within you. And therefore, it's no, it's no question of why we get bombarded so much in our minds, in our hearts, in our, on our, whatever you want to call it, in your soul. There's no, no, it's completely understandable why we're getting bombarded so much because this is where the gold is found. This is where the fruit is found. This, this is where the rivers of living waters are will flow when those dams are released and in jesus name i release those dams in people's hearts but this is where the rivers of living waters flow and the enemy knows that if he can really just bring chaos disruption and just negativity whatever you want to call it to this part he can he can stop and hinder your relationship with god because this is where 
it all happens this is where it all dwells a lot of us go looking out here looking out there but actually what if it's within you and i say what if it is within you what if you're looking for someone who's actually within you who's closer than your very skin and that's the importance again of why we're coming back to discipleship that's the importance of why we're coming back to the posture of our heart the posture of our thinking the posture of our spirits and it's sometimes not an easy process sometimes it's uncomfortable but the Holy Spirit is the counsellor, he is the comforter, and he loves you, and he loves you just the way you are. Even if you don't want to process this or go through this, he'll love you. If, he wants to go, if you want to go through this, he'll love you. He loves you no matter what. But let's continue the journey together as we as leadership go through this and as we as a church go through this. Let's continue the journey together. So let's read together, shall we, from 1 Peter 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And this key attribute that I believe that Jesus carried and actually overcame sin and death and overcame the world was the key attribute of not just love for his people, love for the world, God so loved the world, but it was the key attribute that he went with going to the cross was humility. And what we've got here, we've got the kingdom of God is actually upside down compared to our kingdom, this world, the kingdom of the United Kingdom, the world system. Because in his kingdom, the backwards is frontwards. And his ways are not our ways, because what he says, he says, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. So in other words, if you go forward, if you want to push yourself, if you want to have the high seat at the table, you will be humbled and you'll be put back. But if you take the low seat of the table, you will be exalted. And that's the backward way of what happens on this earth, because usually on this earth it's different to that. But the way of the kingdom is, if you want to be seen, if you want to have fruit, if you want to be successful, if you want to receive God's favour... It says, humble yourselves, and in due time, he will lift you up. So don't exhaust yourself, and he will exalt you when you stay humble. And the word in, in the Greek here is a word called tapen, tapenu, tapenu. I don't know why we always try and attempt these Greek words, but tapenu, tapenu, what a lovely word. And tapenu is actually a doing word, okay? So it means we've got to be consciously pursuing and acting upon pursuing a life of humility, and it doesn't happen by accident. It's a posture that you and I must go towards. It's a posture that you and I must check our hearts daily and be like, okay, what am I operating out of here? What was that, what was that action out of there? And praying, Holy Spirit, please humble me. And which is a big prayer. Don't just pray that prayer and not mean it because he will and he takes you at your word. So if you really want to be humbled, he will humble you because I've prayed that prayer and it's sometimes an uncomfortable process because it's a matter of dying to self, it's a matter of putting yourself on the back burner, and a lot of the times you're thinking, hold on, I deserve more than this, hold on, who am I? And all this pride comes up, but actually all this stuff has to go, all this stuff has to go in order for him to be exalted, in order for him to be on the forefront, all this stuff has to go in order for him to have the fame and the glory. So what does humility look like? What does the word humble mean? Let's have a look at this word. Okay, so the words we've got here, it says near to the ground, going low to descend and to decrease in size. Okay, I'm going to read them again. So going near to the ground, going low to descend to decrease in size. Now, when I was in Mozambique, um, we used to do missions um, every Friday out into like, the bush bush, which was like, where there's no technology, there was barely any water, there was just mud huts, this kind of stuff. And Heidi Baker always shared the story 
of one of our biggest mistakes. And when they arrived, they had all this, all this gear, all the equipment, all the, all the right things. They had the, the Jesus film, they had the trucks, everything. And what they'd do, they'd just, just bombard themselves into this little village, usually a Muslim village. And they'd go into a village and they'd be like, their attitude would be like, we're here, we have what you need, come and receive Jesus. And it just would not work. It would not work because they'll just force themselves in. They'll just come and be like, okay, and if you don't receive us, you're wrong. Okay, we'll just wipe the dust off our feet and we'll move on to somebody else. And what would happen in response? They'd get stoned, they'd get shot out, and they'd just have to be changed, chased out of the town. And then God basically put it on her heart and she spoke to her and said, you need to go low and slow. Low and slow. And what they did, and they changed it completely, and before they even approached the village, they would get hold of the local mayor. I don't know if that's what they would, they probably wouldn't use mayor. But if they'd get hold of the local king, whatever he would be, the, the guy who was overseeing the town, and they would say, hey, excuse me, we, we've got something to share. We'd love to come and just and share this with you. And what they'd do, they'd go in low, they'd, they'd, they'd get down to the feet, and they'd give him Starbucks coffee, and they'd do his whole team. And they'd start the process of humbling themselves and putting other people ahead of themselves instead of going in with a posture of, I've got what you need. You need to listen to us. If you don't, you're wrong, and we're going to move on. And actually, the fruit that flowed from then on, as soon as their posture of the heart changed, the fruit that flowed was uncountable. 10,000 church planted, hundreds of people raised from the dead, and Mozambique becoming a Christian nation. And we need to pray for Mozambique in this time because there's so much, there's so much rights, there's not rights, but there's so much opposition from extremists that we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray for Mozambique because they're going for a really hard time at the moment. But being humble means we're putting other people ahead of ourselves. We're putting ourselves on the back burner. We're serving and we're operating out of the life of Jesus by washing people's feet. And we're saying, no, you go first. I'll go back. I'm going to take the back seat and you can go forward. And it's lowering ourselves. And you've got the famous quote by C.S. Lewis. is humility isn't thinking less of yourselves. It's thinking of yourself less. And there's a, there's a strong calling that actually Sue unpacked a few weeks about us. We are called to not think less of ourselves because Christ died and Christ came to fill us with such a strong identity that we would operate out of that. What would the church look like if we truly operated out of knowing who we were? What would we look like if we actually had no doubt in our mind that you were utterly beautiful, you were utterly loved, you were utterly amazing, you were utterly just protected and adored by heaven, by Jesus, by God? What if we lived in a way where we truly knew who we were? And a lot of us know this stuff in our head, and we know this stuff in our head, but we just we don't let it sink into our hearts, and we don't know how to let it sink into our hearts. We'd be, to, we'd be a totally different body of believers. This, world, this global church would look different if we actually knew who we were and what he's done, and what he says about us. And it comes, really comes back to not caring what people think and caring what he thinks. And sometimes easier said than done, and sometimes it's that process again, isn't it? But So it's not thinking less of ourselves, because we're not called to that. It's not a call from the Bible. It's not a call from Jesus for us to take on. But the call is... I've forgotten it. <laughs> Sorry, I've completely, completely forgotten it. The call is to put other people ahead of ourselves. To think of ourselves less. There we go, I've got it. And it's putting ourselves on the back burner. It's dying to self. It's carrying our cross daily so other people might live. Okay, so that's unpacking humility a little bit. Now let's look a little bit of pride, okay? So pride is self-seeking, self-serving, self-centered. It's me, 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 I, I, I. And I believe it comes wrapped in gold. I believe it comes looking good. It looks fancy. 
and it's pleasing to the eye because we can often validate our own pride and our own actions by the Bible even. Some of us can do that. We can often operate our own pride from false identity, false humility. But it's all self-promoting, self-seeking, self-centered. And what I want to do, I want to unpack the, the five eyes actually of Lucifer, who Lucifer was the devil. If you didn't know that name for him, it was the angel of light. And we're going to read from Isaiah 19.12, and I haven't got it on the screen, but just listen to the eyes that come here. Okay. How far you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, and now remember it starts in your heart. This is where it starts. And Jesus came to identify the people's heart. You know, so many times he would, he would identify the attitudes of the hearts of the Pharisees before they'd even said anything. He said, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, Jesus, knowing their heart, would respond to them, even though they hadn't said anything. Okay, that's the importance of us having a posture of the heart. So he says, you said in your heart, I will descend, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit enthroned on the mountain of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And that's completely contrary to the lifestyle and the call of Jesus. That's the complete opposite because what did Jesus do? We look at Jesus' life who was God in the flesh and he constantly put other people in front of him. He constantly put other people ahead of him and took the back seat. He did, he, a lot of the time, it's fascinating, a lot of the time he'll do an amazing miracle and say, do not tell anybody about this. He had every right to come to earth and say, look at me, the, the greatest showman, raised from the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. He had every reason, even he told the demons to shut up. He said, quiet. And in other times, he said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody I've done this for you. And this is God in the flesh coming, who puts other people ahead of himself. He puts the world ahead of himself. That He leaves his riches. He leaves his throne. He leaves all of heaven where all of heaven is praising, throwing down their crowns. And he leaves that posture, knowing fully who he is still, but he still puts other people ahead of himself. He still puts you and I ahead of himself. He still will wash you in the dirt, in the crap, in the mud, in everything like that, because he loves you and he puts you first and he has that humility about him that you and I must carry with joy. You know, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to drill anyone or tell anyone off, even myself, that, that we want to take this attitude of humility on with joy and that it will be our greatest joy to serve people. It will be our greatest joy to serve people with, with gladness, to see people set free, to see people served, whether it's an atheist, whether it's a Muslim, whoever it may be, that we would be glad to humble ourselves and put other people ahead of ourselves. You know, Jesus, our, Jesus, he... He came so vulnerable to the earth, his complete reliance on Mary and Joseph. And he came, he came as a baby to the earth. He came as Emmanuel, God with us, and was completely reliant on a mother and father of earth, of Mary and Joseph. And he had the humility to let his life be in the hands of somebody else. In John, okay, we've got the I statements of Jesus now. So we've heard the I statements of Satan of Lucifer, that God could read his hearts. Let's read the, the I statements of Jesus. So this, I'm not going to give you the passages. I'm just going to really quickly go through these. Jesus said, the son could do nothing of himself. I came down from heaven not to do my own will. My teaching is not my own. I have not come on my own. I do nothing myself. Now, can I just unpack that a little bit? Do you know what nothing means? No thing. 
like not a thing, not a single thing. So for me, I, I read that and I hear that and I just think, what grace? So does that, for me, my, my thoughts in that thinking, the world must be under a huge level of grace right now because I'm only able to speak these very words right now by him because I can do nothing. If Jesus could do nothing without him, I could do nothing without him. I can see because of him. I can hear because of him. I can stand because of him. I can talk. I can think all because of him. And if Jesus could do nothing, it's all glory and fame, all glory and praise to God because without him, we can do nothing. And therefore, why would we ever boast in anything that we could do if it's all him, if it's his ability? And he says, I did not come of myself. He sent me. I didn't come to do my will, but my father's will. But not my will be, but yours be done, Lord, is what he prays. He says, I seek not my own glory. Okay, and just to unpack this a little bit, one thing I found so helpful is, um, is Bill, I've heard Bill Johnson say it, and I've heard John Wimber say it, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He says that, Whenever someone would say, I'll oh, come and I'll oh, have a good sermon, like great sermon, great preach, whatever it may be, he'd receive it. He, he wouldn't go into the posture of, oh no, it's just God. It's just God operating through me. But he goes, he receives it. And then later on, they would go to their prayer room or wherever it may be, and they'll say to the Father, hey, Father, I've got something that belongs to you. Here's the praise. Here's the glory. It's not mine. And the Psalms say, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to you belongs the glory. So every time they would receive any praise or any glory or anything, it would be them. It's like, hey, hey, God, this isn't mine. Please just take off this because this isn't mine to carry. This, this belongs to you. This is not mine. This is yours. And I give it to you freely. I give it to you freely because this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to you. And Jesus said, the words I speak, speak unto you are not of myself. He was completely reliant, completely vulnerable, completely absorbed into the father and reliant on him so much so that he didn't boast in any of his own achievements so with us church if you're looking for divine promotion if you feel like you deserve a, a promotion in the kingdom i would say serve more i would say go low more i would say whatever it may be because that's when promotions comes and you know what Jesus said when the disciples were asking about who's the greatest? Jesus said to him, the greatest one among you is he that serves. Have you ever looked at the qualification of, of qualifications of Gideon? How on earth was he qualified to lead an army of God? He wasn't, but I believe the posture of his heart was a thing that the God saw. And he says, behold, mighty warrior. And he was from the least tribe. He was from the least family. He was... He, but he, he wasn't qualified at all. And we know that it's not about qualifications, but it's about the posture of the heart. You think about David. What was the thing that he, that caused him to overcome Goliath? It was the posture of his heart. And he went, he not, he, I find it amazing how they would, they would win a battle, okay? They would win a battle and they would all um, constantly give the praise to Jesus, give the praise to God. They'd say, the battle's not ours, but it's the Lord's. And they would be there fighting. They would be there doing their own thing. But straight afterwards, they would say that God has given us this victory. And it's the humility of the heart behind us, the church. If you're looking for promotion, go low, go slow. Don't put yourself forward. Continue to put yourself on the back burner. And don't just do it with actions. Let your hearts follow the posture. And if you, don't, if you find it hard to change your heart, the Holy Spirit is very good at that. The Holy Spirit will love the journey with you in that. And pride came in Eden and intoxicated the atmosphere, intoxicated the heart of Adam and Eve. Okay, it was pride that was a thing that looked good, it was pleasing to the eye, it sounded good. Oh, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. 
It was pride that came and it was a disrupted all of humanity and all of the earth's course. But what was the thing that overcame? It was the humility of Christ that got victory for you and I on that cross. It was the humility to stand in, in front of a crowd of people calling crucify, crucify, crucify. And Pilate saying, well, what do you say? And to remain silent, to not say a single thing, to remain silent in the, in the, in the face of accusation. When he was completely, he was, he was, he was not guilty. He wasn't guilty in the slightest. But to remain silent and to know that he lived for the eyes of God and not for the eyes of man. And that is at the heart of humility is that we constantly live within the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is just the beginning of wisdom, but it's something that we must constantly live under, that we seek his approval, not man's. We're completely reliant on him. We're, we're praying daily. We're so close to him. We're pushing into him more and more and more and more because it all comes from him anyway. But what pride destroyed in Eden, humility restored on the cross. There was so much expectation for Jesus to come and to overthrow and to do all this amazing stuff and to be aggressive and overthrow the Romans. But he came, he submitted, he served, he came lowly. And it didn't mean he was a pushover. Jesus wasn't a pushover. He challenged the system. He stood up for injustice. He he raised his voice. He had a voice and he used it, which is what we need to do as followers of, of Jesus. He wasn't a pushover. He wasn't a wet blanket. But he was completely humble. He was completely humble. Humble even to death on the cross. So just before I end here, I want to just give five steps, five steps to, to humility that we can just put in our lives that will just cause our hearts to be continually looking into being humble and operating out of humility. Okay, number one is prayer. Prayer is daily reliance, daily checkups on with your relationship with God, daily checkups with the Holy Spirit. And it's that prayer of David, search me and know me, O God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, and my rock and my redeemer. And that's what prayer does when you're close to the Spirit, who the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When you're close to that, he will keep your heart humble. He will keep your heart in a good place. But that's why we must continue to be in prayer and intimacy and talking. And sometimes we need to change what prayer looks like because prayer is is talking to our maker. It's communicating with him, him speaking to us and us speaking to him. Number two, we've got worship. You know, the word worship means just to be in complete surrender. It's to completely lay your life down. Praise is kind of like singing hands in the air, praise. But worship is to, is to lay completely on the floor in full surrender. Imagine if we've just surrendered to someone. We're just like, please have mercy on me. And it's just laying your lives down on the altar. It's laying your, your spirit, your body down on the altar before the throne of God and saying, I worship you. I worship you, Father. I worship you, Yahweh. I give you praise and adoration. I, and I just lay in full submission to you in your presence. That's what worship is. And that, and that keeps you in a check of humility. As you just lay your life down daily before his throne at the feet of Jesus, it keeps your heart in a posture of humility. Number three, serving. The greatest among you is the one that serves. Another attribute of Christ's life that he, he operated out of beautifully. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because he had every right to get everyone to serve him. But he came and he said, unless I serve you, you can have no part of this. So we must continue to find joy in serving one another. We must, no matter who it is, no matter what they've done, we must continue to serve one another. Number four, Relationships. Now, relationships, again, it comes back into putting others ahead of yourself 
and serving one another. But equally, I'd encourage you, if you don't, to find people around you that can speak into your life that you trust. Sometimes you get the odd, odd, odd Joe blogs that will speak into your life and just try and bring you down because it's just, they've just got a different posture of the heart. So you've got to have discernment in that. So it's important you find people around you that you can trust, that can speak into your life and sometimes speak things that aren't comfortable to hear. And equally, you've got to go to the Father and say, Father, is this right? Do you see this in me? Okay, and that's where we must have discernment. So having those relationships where we can speak into our lives and we're, 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 we receive correction. We receive when we're wrong sometimes. We say sorry. So having those relationships with people that we trust, okay, is vital. And then we can have those relationships. So forge number of relationships. Number five, your words. Your words are powerful, okay? With words, God created the universe, okay? And what we speak and how we speak it, the Bible says that the mouth speaks what the heart is, is full of. And Proverbs 14, verse three says this, a fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, but the words of the wise keep them safe. So watch what you speak. Your words are powerful. Okay? And whether it's in front of people, whether it's behind closed doors, watch what you speak. Okay? Number six. And finally, in giving. And whether it's giving your time, giving your energy, or giving your finances. I love the, the story of the lady who poured out the perfume over Jesus, the oil over Jesus' feet, and then the... And the disciples were like, that's like years' wages right there. I love that she didn't say, okay, she didn't work her way before, okay, I'm going to see, I'm going to see Jesus later. I'm going, to, I'm going to put away, you know, probably I'll keep 80% for me and I'll just pour about 20% over Jesus' feet. You know, that's a good offering for him. But she, no, she came with unlimited, she poured it all out on his feet. She didn't say, I'm going to keep this for me, keep that for me. But she came out, she poured it all on his feet as an act of worship and an act of giving. And again, it puts our own agenda on the backbone, it puts God's agenda first. And she's remembered throughout all eternity now because Jesus said she would be. So it's in giving. So, church, rejoice. Rejoice in the posture of your heart changing. Rejoice and, and may this word fall on good seed. May we just embrace humility. May we pray those prayers. If you, if you mean it, pray the prayers of being humble and, and carry humility because he will exalt you. Those that go low will go high. The he that exalts himself will be humbled, but he that goes low will be exalted. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He went low and he is exalted on high, on the throne in heaven. He hasn't fallen off. He's not nervous. He's not afraid about what's going on. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going on. But it does not mean we can leave our responsibility and our post of praying in this season. He is exalted on high and we worship him in spirit and in truth because he went low, because he, he became humble to death and even death on the cross. So church, I hope, I hope this has been okay. I hope your hearts are okay. And just receive this with gladness, receive, receive this with joy. Remember, let's humble ourselves with joy and gladness and let's repent when we need to repent. Let's continue to embrace this next journey of discipleship that we're going into in October and the coming weeks. And let's continue to grow together, continue to fellowship with one another, continue to speak to one another in truth and love. Okay, but most of all, stay close to him. Stay close to him, draw close to him and he'll draw close to you. And be hungry and go after the truth and you'll find it. I'm going to end on this verse right here. Proverbs 22.4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honour and life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. There's some secrets to success right there, church. If in case you're wondering what the secrets are to riches, honour and life, it's humility and the fear of the Lord. So let's pray together. Thank 
kibuliana na shokunya batokondo. Jesus, we, we love you and we're so overwhelmed by who you are and your nature. And more than anything, Jesus, we say that would we know you? Would we pursue you with the same pursuit that Paul did as he pushed to know you? Would we, would we pursue to know you the same way that Jacob would wrestle with you? Would we know you the same way that Moses would know you as he climbed up Sinai into your presence and into the glory? Would we have the heart of David, the posture of David, exalting you above all else, Father, and putting others ahead of ourselves? And in the name of Jesus, I just speak healing into rejection, into low self-esteem, into pain. And I speak the Father's love into the spirits, into the hearts, into the minds of everyone listening to this. And in the name of Jesus, I speak healing to bodies. I speak healing to cancer. I command cancer to leave everybody in the name of Jesus. I command anything that is not from your kingdom to leave in the name and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you minister in power now to your people? Would you set us free from prison, set us free from anything binding us that's keeping us in exodus and keeping us from entering into the promised land. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom and I speak comfort and I speak heaven to invade our hearts and our homes by his blood, by his death and by his resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.